This is It Was a Thing on TV. Ladies and gentlemen, I give you the dregs of humanity. Episode 281, submission number 879, Lady Blue. Lady Blue aired on ABC from April 15th, 1985 to January 25th, 1986 for a total of 14 episodes. Let the lights behind the steel Once again, Mike, I blame you for this. And once again, Greg, I accept responsibility for this. Indirectly, but I'll accept responsibility. Okay, let's explain. Because last year, I think during the Misfits of Science episode, you were looking for like the top 10 like worst-rated shows of the week or something. No, what it was was I was doing, I was looking for information about Misfits of Science, but something I came across was a Plain Dealer Reader's Survey about the worst shows on television. I don't know if it was for the 85-86 season or in the calendar year 1985, but regardless, this was like, I want to say number seven or number eight on the list. And Greg, I do have the, the conversation, the footage right here. I remember it like it was just yesterday. What I'm looking at is uh, how readers uh, of a plain dealer poll, the top TV shows on TV and the worst is number nine or one bad shows. <laughs> oh, <laughs> that'll that be the outtakes episode. Wait, wait, hold on. I, I, I need to go through this really fast. Here's the top 10 worst shows. Number oh. one was A-Team. What? Number two was Love Boat. Three was bloopers and practical jokes. Four was Dynasty. Five was Punky Brewster. Now that's not fair. Oh, these people have such... They, Mike, these people in your era, they have such shit taste in television. If then they, Dallas, Miami Vice, Lady Blue, whatever the hell that is. What Mis- the fuck is Lady Blue? Misfits of Science and Moonlighting. I'm looking Lady up like- Blue is actually on the list. Okay, it's I don't- Jamie Rose from Falcon Crest. As as a, detective. A, as a detective with a really big gun. And Danny Aiello's in this! So that's where this came from. Never heard of Lady Blue. We did a little bit of research on the spot and it got added to the list. I think particularly because Chico saw that she uses quite a <clears throat> phallic gun. Let's just say that gun of hers, it's a 357 Magnum, and it is the size of her head. And uh, according to the New York Times, this is John J. O'Connor, it is a gross extension, sorry, it is a grotesque extension of her right arm. No, I think you had it right the first time. It's a gross extension. Yeah. Suffice it to say, she was one badass lady cop. 
And of course, she didn't bother with rules or regulations or the uh, up the chain of commands or nothing. She was results-focused, even if it meant beating up on people and shooting to kill, which she frequently does. Oh, she does this a lot. She uh, shoots a lot. And when she shoots, she shoots to kill. So I guess the question now is, how do you go from Dancing with Bugs Bunny for Kool-Aid to being the daughter of a vintner to this? I guess we're going to find out in this episode, aren't we? I think we'll have to. Of course, Lady Blue was created by a man named Robert Vincent O'Neill, who is responsible for the cult classic movie Angel that was released in 1983. Let's see who was actually in that movie. Susan Terrell and Donna Wilkes. Well, hold on. Donna Wilkes was in this movie? Donna Wilkes as in Donna Wilkes from Hello Larry, Donna Wilkes? Hello Larry! Yeah, I'll say there is life after Hello Larry, apparently. Not counting being a friggin' housewife of, real housewife of L.A. or Beverly Hills or Poughkeepsie, wherever Kim Richards is housewifing. Yep, I'm looking at the box to Angel. The tagline is, high school honor student by day, Hollywood hooker by night. So yeah, that's all you need to know from me about that movie. Did she get caught by the popo? Oh, God. God, my... I'm curious because I want to know if she's in jail. Hey, Greg. Golf clap? Golf clap. Just remember, Ken Jennings asked the most important question last week. What's a hoe? Well, Ken, that's a hoe. Well, just remember, Mike, as the Godfather also told us last week, pimping ain't easy. It ain't easy, no. No, I get it. And you know what? That was actually one of the least satisfactory gigs that our detective here got in the pilot. In fact, uh, our detective, one Katie Mahoney, she's the kind of person who will be in the salon getting her hair done and her nails done, witness a bank robbery across the street, go across the street in full frock, whip out her gun, mow down the robbers, and then run down the one that got away and mow him down too. And then come back and finish getting her nails and hair done. In fact, that is the exact opening scene of the pilot. I wish I was kidding, I'm not. And she probably didn't crack a nail in the process. Nope, but she did put her shoes on when her nails were wet, which even I, a straight male, know that is, you don't do that. Katie Mahoney is played by Jamie Rose, who got her start at the age of six, dancing with Bugs Bunny for Kool-Aid. And around the time she was 19 or 20, she signed on to play Vicky Giaberti on two and a half seasons, the first two and a half seasons of Falcon Crest. Of course, the TV show with Jay Weidman, Robert Foxworth, and Abby Dalton, and Susan Watch Me Do by Hair Flip Sullivan. Oh, and you know who else was on Falcon Crest, guys? Oh, yeah, Lorenzo Lamas. Besides that, Simon, Simon McCorkendale. Yes, he was on Falcon Crest. Wow! Oh, hold on a second, guys. I have to do something. Hold on. Okay. Okay, change move. I know what he's gonna do. I know what yeah. he's gonna do. Watch, 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 watch. Oh, he's gonna do it. it. Here it comes, here it comes. There it there is. There it is. is. That's the payoff. Yeah. Simon and his Falcon from Manimal. 
Look at how glorious Simon is with that falcon. As I said, one day I'm going to own this picture and hang it above my wall. I thought you were going to say, one day I'm going to own this falcon and hang it above my wall. What, you think I'm going to be like Will Forte as the falconer? I could totally see that, yeah. Oh, you are a true friend. Hopefully, one day we can return to society. But until that day, you will be the Falcon, and I will remain the Falconer. <laughs> okay. So, Katie Mahoney, played by Jamie Rose, who goes from Dancing with Bugs Bunny to Falcon Crest, and now a complete 180 character. She went from this innocent-looking, incredibly beautiful daughter of a vintner to a fiery, angry, revenge-filled lady cop with a gun the size of her head. And keeping her out of trouble is Lieutenant Terry McNichols, her immediate supervisor, played by somebody who kept busy since this show, let's just say, Danny Aiello. Oh, yeah. R.I.P. Danny Aiello. No longer with us. R.I.P. Daniel. Yep. Yeah, no longer with us. But you know what? Legendary actor. Do the right thing, guys. What more needs to be said about that? Just alone. Mm -hmm. Do the right thing. Nothing else needs to be said. You're absolutely right. Played Sal. I believe he was nominated for. Was he nominated for an Oscar for that? Oh, if he wasn't, then that's a if he damn wasn't. Shame. He oh wait, been. yes, he was. He was nominated for uh, best supporting actor. Okay, good. Good. There is justice in this world. Yep. Not blind justice. Mm-mm. And I'm sorry. And also not. Pit justice. Oh God. That that oh. that's that's Thursday. I'm sorry. Why don't you just give it away, Mike? Do you <laughs> think we didn't give it away with all the hints that have been on social media and all the little hints that we gave last week? Do you think our viewers don't know what we're talking about? They're not stupid. Okay. So this show, imagine a uh, stump town some 35 years later only incredibly violent and also police-oriented. Basically, what would happen if Stunttown in Chicago PD had a kid? Because Katie Mahoney and Terry McNichols patrol the gritty streets, these gritty streets of Chicago, flushing out the seemingly seething criminal underbelly. And that's on a good day. On a bad day, she'd be on a street corner dressed up like a hooker trying to catch a John. In fact, that's also something that happens in the pilot. Oh, God. This will all make sense when we talk about the episodes. But first, let's talk about some of the uh, recurring faces in the Chicago PD on this series. We have as Sergeant Gino Janelli, Ron Dean, who would actually go back to playing a resident of the Windy City in a 2016 episode of Chicago PD. And he is a semi-regular on the 2012-2013 season of Chicago Fire, playing a completely different character. But before that, he was in... 17 episodes of Early Edition and five episodes of NYPD Blue. And if you remember the Great Balls of Fire episode of Perfect Strangers, and I know you do, Greg, because you've been binge-watching Perfect Strangers lately. Yeah, on Freebie. He was Fire Chief Newton in the uh, Great Great Balls Balls of of Fire. Fire. Yeah, Great Balls of Fire! Okay, playing uh, CSI Harvey is Ricardo Gutierrez, 
who would play Martinez on Max Headroom, and Sergeant Garcia in the 1986 film Running Scared. He was also in four episodes of the short-lived stars series Boss with Kelsey Grammer. Oh, Boss. I forgot about Boss. Yeah. Basically. Oh, yeah. It's basically Kelsey Grammer kind of plays his character from Money Plane. Okay, yeah. I was waiting for you to do the Kelsey Grammer Money Plane reference. <laughs> I bet you, though, Kelsey Graver from the grave got back at edge when he had Finn Bauer beat him up last week. And uh, also appearing on this show is Bruce Young. Uh, no idea who he plays on this show, but he is a, listed as a semi-regular on Truth by Consensus Wikipedia. And Nan Woods was actually in the first non-pilot episode. So we have Ron Dean, Nan Woods, and Bruce Young, and Diane Dorsey rounding out the cast. By the way, uh, I can tell you right now who everybody is. Uh, Gino Janelli, Ron Dean. His wife, Rose, Diane Dorsey. Officer Cassidy, Bruce Young, who is just somebody who is completely in awe of Katie Mahoney's gigantic gun. He was actually in Highlander, the series, Quantum Leap, The Ghost Whisperer, Prison Break, 21 Jump Street, and E slash R, as opposed to, you know, the other George Clooney ER show. Yeah, the pre-dreamy George Clooney. The Facts of Life era, George Clooney. Yeah. And McNichols' niece, Willow, is played by Nan Woods, who didn't really do... Well, actually, I shouldn't say that she didn't really do much in her career. She was on 15 episodes of China Beach, playing Cherry White. She retired from acting at the age of 22. So if my math is correct, that would be... Spring of 1989, which is when her roles as Cherry White in China Beach would have wrapped up. So, yeah, the math checks out. So how does Jamie Rose uh, describe her character here? Well, according to Rose, Mahoney was inspired by Dirty Harry, John Wayne, and Rambo. What? This is what she said. I don't think Rambo's a good inspiration considering in the first movie he's killing cops. Remember, Rambo wasn't always an action hero. First Blood was actually a psychological thriller. Yes. Like, technically, Rambo's like the bad guy in First Blood. Yeah, Rambo was a bad man. You know what Troutman had to do to get him to shut up? Had to go in and take him head on. Like, the war is over, Johnny. Oh, yeah. Richard Krenner had to tell him, it's over, Johnny. It's over. I'll tell you what, man. If I was Richard Krenner, I'd be like, who was easier to work with, Sylvester Stallone or Patty Duke? It's a perfectly legitimate question. Well, it is. Okay. And speaking of Dirty Harry, uh, Clint Eastwood actually taught Jamie how to shoot. So the ultimate comparisons to Dirty Harry were there even before the people in the trades called her Dirty Harriet. And this was before they saw the pilot, or maybe it was after they saw the pilot because the pilot was aired on April 15th, 1985, and it wasn't picked up for series until later that September in the next season. But yeah. Suffice it to say, she was about as gritty as they came. And if you want to survive on these streets, you kind of sort of have to be. So where does all this pent-up rage come from? Well, it's all fleshed out in the pilot, which we'll go over. Hmm, right now is as good a time as any. 
So in the pilot, we have Katie Mahoney, a homicide detective, transferred to the Matron Squad, which is basically a group of police females looking to investigate uh, the lower level crimes, your pickpocketing, your shoplifting, your uh, flashers, you know, your flashers, after several charges of excessive force, one of which came from the uh, bank robber from the first act that got away, was pursued, and was finally apprehended right before she went back to the hair salon to finish getting her nails done. While investigating a shoplifting case and the murders of two women and their children, she discovers that they are all related to cocaine trafficking between two warring factions. Oh boy. Off the head of one faction, we have Stoker, who is played by Jim Brown. I don't know if Jim Brown has been in anything big, but I know he is... Um, Hold on. He was in Mars Attacks. Jim... Oh, yep. He sure what He was Byron Williams in Mars Attacks. Yes, but yeah, Jim Brown... And, oh, 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 oh! Wait! Yeah, Hold okay, on. the light just... Wait, okay, the light just turned on. You're telling me who Jim Brown is? I'm just saying... You know, look what I've got right here in my hands. I, Who's Jim Brown and what's he been in? How about the Dirty Dozen? How about Ice Station Zebra? How about one of the greatest running backs of all time in football history? Don't give me this, what's Jim Brown done? Um, I was just looking to see what Jim Brown, and then I saw three words. The Running Man. Yeah, Jim Brown was in The Running yeah, Man. That's a good one. Yeah. He played Fireball. And of course, we're going to talk about the running man. We have to play the iconic exchange between Arnold Schwarzenegger and Richard Dawson. On your marks! Get set! Killian, I'll be back. Only in a rerun. Go! Don't forget, Damon loves you. Oh, yeah. Who loves you and who do you love? That makes me want to watch that Captain Freedom workout tape again. <laughs> that sounds like something that the boys blatantly ripped off. And I can say that because I've seen every episode of the new season. The Captain Freedom workout tape? They referenced that in the boys? No, they didn't reference it in the boys, but it seems like something Homelander would probably do. Oh, okay. So you have Jim Brown on one side. On the other side, you have the even bigger bad of the episode, Doña Maria Teresa, played by Mexican actress and legend Katie Jurado, which we talked about on this podcast because she played Rosa Maria Rivera in all six episodes of AKA Pablo. So two warring factions competing for the mean streets of Chicago in the uh, cocaine trafficking fizz. In the middle, you have a little orphan named Paquito, who is played by A.J. Nadu. Now, uh, you probably may remember him playing Samir on Office Space, the cult classic film Office Space. I'm trying to remember what his last name is, and he'll probably tell me that it's Nainanajan. Hey, it's not as bad as if you're named Michael Bolton. Why does he have to change it? That guy sucks. <laughs> and, and, of course, Samir with the best line in that movie, this is a... Yeah. I can't say that last word, but this is a suck. Well, that would be the TV edit. This is a suck! So, AJ Nadu, he plays Paquito. He's actually the runner in between Stoker and Doña Maria Teresa. Also in this pilot, 
we have Sergeant Bing Bingham, who is revealed to be a dirty cop, bought out by Doña Maria Teresa, played by Tony Lobianco. And V figures in the plot because we talked about uh, where Katie gets her rage from. Turns out, before the series, her father and brother were both cops, and they were both shot on the line of duty. And Tony Lobianco is her partner at the Chicago PD. She's her partner in something else, too. <laughs> they were exchanging various bodily fluids. What the hell is that? That's eugenics. But here's the thing. Uh, he was also married. What? He was married to Katie's friend, Judy, played by... She's making her case for a Hall of Fame, B.B. Besh. Yeah, oh, we yeah. talked about her last week. Mm-hmm. And we talked about her in the famous Teddy Z. So we talked about her last week and the week before that. Hey, that's what being Samantha Mathis's mother gets you. And being the mother of Captain Kirk's kid. So, yeah. Judy Bingham and was married to Tony Lopiaco's character, Bing Bingham. And, oh, she turns out uh, Katie and Bing, yeah, she knew about it. Oh, okay. I'm surprised they were cool, but she knew about it. But that's not even the biggest name in this whole enterprise. No, Jim Brown is, but this is a very close second, I'd say. Okay, Uh, playing the role of Captain Flynn in a bit of a bit part, uh, noted thespian, the late, the great, John Mahoney. And if you don't know who John Mahoney is... Frasier, just watch Frasier. Yeah. watch Frasier. And also, he was the dad of Ioni Sky's character in Say Anything. What a jerk he was in Say Anything. Yeah. He was probably in Charles Logan territory in Say Anything. Oh, God. Ripping off all that stuff from the old folks' home. Oh, God. But yeah, at the end of the pilot, uh, Katie manages to get Paquito uh, adopted by Judy Bingham and she manages to get uh, reinstated into homicide so long as she attends a briefing about another excessive force charge. Naturally, she has a problem with this. And now fast forward to September 26th, where by now ABC has picked up the show to series and it is airing on Thursday nights. I don't need to tell you what happened. It should be obvious. Duh. Yeah, we talked about it last week. So, uh, episode two, Death Valley Day. Detective Katie Mahoney investigates a murder at a housing project and discovers that the area is terrorized by Alvin Banger and his gang. Which what was that? Wait, hold on. What name was this? Alvin Banger. <laughs> <laughs> That's his actual name, Alvin Banger. That is his actual. <laughs> that is his actual name. Yes. <laughs> And Alvin and Alvin Banger is played by a guy named Frank Rice, whose latest credit was as a donor in Killing Poe. He was not a known entity at all. Oh, but he was, but he was a good entity, from what I hear. Okay. Anyway, when she learns that Alvin Banger. Forces children to steal, she decides to bring down the gang. So, yeah, she is a violent character. She is a cool customer. But when it comes to children, she has a bit of a soft spot. 
Well, that's nice. That's really nice. And uh, Observer actually did an interview with Jamie Rose about this episode where she mentions that she was shooting in Cabrini Green. She'd been there all day and the people who lived there were starting getting restless. And she says, they started throwing bottles while we were shooting and the police finally said, go. We had to run because people were getting kind of violent and sick of us being there. Uh, aside from being shot at MGM Studios in Los Angeles, we also did a bunch of B-roll and a bunch of second unit shots in Chicago. Imagine um, a whole CSI situation where you have sets in both Los Angeles and wherever the CSI happens to be located at the time. Episode 3, Romero and Juliet. During a war between two rival street gangs, a man and a woman from the opposing sides develop feelings for one another, and Katie tries to help them find a future together. Aww. Playing the role of Tommy Romero in this episode is Craig Hurley, who hasn't... I mean, he did guest spots on Hunter, Life Goes On, Star Trek The Next Generation, Beverly Hills 90210. Hasn't done much in the last, I'd say, 20 years, but his most recent credit was in the 2021 Apple TV Plus movie, Cherry with Tom Holland. And guess what? He played Tom Holland's cellmate in Cherry. Nice. On the other side, you have uh, Jamie Don Ganji, and this is as far as her career goes. Also, I just want to add, we got another situation where, if you remember that pilot we talked about where possibly a 16-year-old female played a cop? Uh-huh. Talking about uh, Mr. Hurley as Romero. Looks like he was 17 when he did that. So he's no man, according to the, the, the capsule you read. He's still a boy. Because oh, wow. take, take, take a look at his IMDb. He was born in February of 68. He would have been 17. And also playing the character of Donnie is Anthony Stark, who you would best know as the accountant to Robert Davi's character in the 1989 James Bond movie, License to Kill. He also played in 22 episodes of the 1998 series adaptation of The Magnificent Seven. Oh my God, I forgot about The Magnificent Seven. Oh my God. I do remember when the Magnificent Seven TV show was airing. I guess there was like some letter writing campaign to save the show. And I remember Dave, like on the late show, like totally mocking it one episode. <laughs> Being like, I love the Magnificent Seven so much. Or whatever, <laughs> whatever type of old lady voice Dave did. It was hilarious. I'm um, sure Don Geller is looking for the clip as we speak. Or I could just fan request it to the Letterman YouTube channel. There you go. Okay. Oh, no, uh, come on. Wait, David Letterman has never mocked any canceled TV show before. Oh, really? I, I said that sarcastically. <laughs> Look at my uh, background, wait, wait. guys. <laughs> yeah. Do, do we not remember uh, in 83 or 84 uh, that one segment about, uh, what was it? Was it Voyagers? It was Voyagers. Voyagers. Yeah. They were talking about Voyagers and how, yeah. yeah. It was going to be canceled and replaced with a better show. It was canceled and replaced by something better. Monitor was not better than Voyagers. Not even close. But yeah, nowadays uh, he was actually in an episode of 911 Lone Star. So still working and still working very, very, very fruitfully. Is that the one with Rob Lowe on it? I think so. Yeah, Lone Star is the one with Rob Lowe in it. Yeah. I knew he was on one of the 911s. Episode 4, Beasts of Prey. Mahoney tracks a serial killer while investigating a string of Southside murders. Oh, ho, 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 we got a big one on this episode. 
Uh, Ron Paradis actually uh, plays a character named Dr. Valand. And okay, now he's played numerous characters in the Law and Order universe. But playing his son, Lionel. Johnny Depp. Johnny has been busy as of late. And that's all we're going to say about that. So I've heard. Oh, good night, everybody. Where's Jack? Jack, what are your thoughts? No, 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 no. I agree. We're not going to comment on this any further. No, no, I, no. I'm going to say one thing and only one thing. My dog stepped on a bee. I did not follow any of that crap, so Neither I Neither did no I. Yeah, Mike, oh my gosh! I, I Mike, didn't either. you know more about that trial. No, no, no! Really, I, I don't. The I got is... that trial in my YouTube recommendations, like every day. I'm like, how many times do I have to say I am not interested in this? The only reason I know it is because one of my students. Oh, like, it goes like, back to the students. Of it course. always goes back to the students. He sends me DMs over Instagram about all this footage of Amber Heard saying. My dog stepped out of B. And then, you know, people like rhyming it. Oh, I got to take a pee. And yeah, whatever else. He sent me so many stupid videos, but they're so funny. I don't know if it's of the student himself, but that's the extent that I care about that whole trial is, is the dog stepping out of B. Okay. I'm proud that you guys don't even have that level of interest. Not even close. Another uh, son of his, uh, Josh Galland was played by David Oliver, who sadly died in 1992, but he played a young man in an episode of Star Trek The Next Generation. Oh, good. Two people from this show have been on TNG. Fantastic. And since he would have been on Another World from 1983 to 1985, he was indeed on a week of... Wait for it. Still waiting. The Match Game Hollywood Squares Hour. And this has been your Match Game Hollywood Squares Hour callback. Yeah, he was on NBC Soaps Week, probably. The one with John Delancey. Oh, this is where... His kid... Yeah, yeah I, okay, that's what we're waiting for. I went to school with this kid. You went and, to school. Also, with, you went to school with Q's kid. I went uh, to school with Q too. And also, he was on a week of Go. Yes, he was. Since we love our Go references, second week with a Go reference, second week in a row. A rare mm-hmm. second week with a Go reference. Indeed. Episode five: The Widowmaker. Mahoney searches for a Vietnamese assassin who is programmed to kill former soldiers and refugees who have moved to America. Uh-oh. 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 Play the role of Widowmaker, who I'm assuming is the assassin in question, is David Chow, who is no longer with us, but he was in Conquest of the Planet of the Apes and Dimension 5. Aside from being a martial arts consultant and an advisor for two seasons of Kung Fu. The original Kung Fu, not Kung Fu The Next Generation or Kung Fu The Legend Continues or the CW show, which I still need to catch up on. When you said The Widowmaker, I was hoping it was going to be played by Barry Windham. No. Oh, I'm sad. No. And a familiar face, certainly a familiar voice on this episode, is Keone Young, who plays Trang. And really, if you don't know who Keone Young is by now, just stick around. We're probably going to mention him about five or ten more times before all is said and done. Episode six, The Hunter. Mahoney investigates a series of murders committed with unconventional weapons and poisons. Playing the role of the hunter is a guy by the name of Niles McMaster, who is a a Chicago actor 
who has been in Blood Sucking Freaks and Alice Sweet Alice before playing Clay Jordan in two years of The Edge of Night. You've heard of The Edge of Night. I've heard of The Edge of Night, yes. Yeah. Yeah. This was actually his last role, I believe. Well, I believe he retired after this. Okay. Yeah, Johnny also tells what Edge of Night is. Stay tuned for the Edge of Night next over mostly CBS stations. Oh, shut up, you mother! Stay <laughs> tuned for the Edge of Night next over mostly CBS stations. Take that, Mike. Johnny, can you please get out of my house? Okay, just leave. I'm not leaving you, ass. Children, separate corners, please. Johnny, Children, I think it's one person and a ghost at this point. Johnny, oh, just boy. just sit in the corner for the entire rest of the taping and just stay there. All right, but you know if I uh, if I you do something stupid like mention that Wigs made Tony Shalhoub's career, I'm gonna lay the smack down on your ass, Johnny. Oh, wow. Just don't. Just stay in that corner. Just stay. Okay. Okay. Are are we all good now? Okay. All right. It's good. Johnny's sitting in the corner of my room. He's just going to stay there for the entire episode. Okay, good. Sad to say, all that lunacy with Johnny Olsen saying stay tuned for the edge of night really didn't matter because Johnny Olsen would have never said that because on CBS, Edge of Night followed Guiding Light. Episode 7. Portrait of Death. An imprisoned criminal mastermind hires Hitman to kill everyone responsible for his conviction, starting with Katie Mahoney and her former lover. I know what Mike's going with this. Go ahead. Get it out of your system. I don't even know what you're talking about. Oh, I thought you were going to make a reference to Hitman and Peter Tamarkin. No. No, that would have been two years before this. I wasn't saying a word. All right. (laughs) Uh, Playing the role of Doña Maria is Miriam Colon, sadly no longer with us, but known as Rosa in Sabrina and Mama Montana in Scarface. Oh, yeah. And she played uh, Abuelita in two episodes of Better Call Saul. I wonder, was she on an episode of It Was Always Sunny? No, she was not. That would have been awesome. Hey, wait a minute. We will be talking about It's Always Sunny next week. I know. It's been a while since I was able to make a callback to It's Always Sunny. I haven't been able to say such and such a person was on an episode of... Yeah. And then playing the role of Blake is Charles Lucia. He was actually credited as Chip Lucia, and he's known for Captain Darush in Tank Girl and an episode of Star Trek Enterprise and another episode of Star Trek Voyager and another episode of Star Trek The Next Generation. Basically played three different people. Episode 8. Terror. While infiltrating a terrorist organization, Mahoney discovers that their main objective is to dismantle Chicago's political system. They know that is not hard, right? That's not hard at all. Uh, Playing the role of Roe is Dean Hill, who played Butler in Canine and a Nazi in The Blues Brothers. Other than that, he was a that guy from that thing. However, he did have a notable role in a notable episode of In Living Color from 1991. He was the man in the Homie the Sellout Part 2 sketch. You remember that sketch, right? Yes, I do remember the Homie Sellout the, sketch. The Homie the Sellout sketch. And now we go to episode 9. Designer White. Katie Mahoney is injected with a hallucinogen during an encounter with a drug dealer 
and wanders around the city having strange visions. Oh, no. Oh, no. And unfortunately, we have a bunch of randos in this episode with no real big names. So. Episode 10, Death Grip. While tracking down a hitman who kills local drug kingpins, Mahoney discovers that A, he's taking work from her, and B, he is part of a larger plot to establish an international narcotics operation. Playing the role of Sonny Hansen is Vito D'Ambrosio, who plays Anthony Bellows, the mayor, on The Flash, the current version. And after a few weeks, we go to the new year with episode 11, Scorpio Sting. Katie Mahoney is tasked to find a former Green Beret and his gang who are killing people for thrills. Playing the role of Tish Stallman is Shelly Smith, who was in one season of For Love and Honor, two seasons of Magnum P.I., three seasons of Heart to Heart, and four seasons of Murder, She Wrote. Okay, really? No talk about all the shows she was on. She was on Pyramid. And I like almost every show in, in the 80s. Super Password. Mm-hmm. Oh, another Go reference. She was on a week ago. So there you go. Two Go references in an episode. Three in a two-week period. Yep, and I'll tell you right now. We're going to talk about her again before the summer is over. Time out, guys. Time out. We talked about Poison Ivy two weeks ago. Michael J. Fox was on go. He was. Oh, my gosh. He was on the week with Kim Fields. It was Teen Week on go. So that's four technically we've made in the last three weeks. Okay, let's continue. But yeah, she was another one who made the rounds on not only uh, game shows, but also on shows with special guest stars. We're talking about Fantasy Island. We're talking about Hotel. She was on two cruises of the love boat. The love boat. And yeah, she hasn't been seen as of late. And another person in this episode was Steve Sander, who was in nine episodes of The Yellow Rose before Lady Blue. But he was also on one of those uh, sort of cycles where he did shows as a special guest star. She was on Fantasy Island, Chips, The Dukes of Hazard, Vegas. Six million dollar man, Truth of San Francisco, and uh, I don't know if he. Oh yeah, he was on one episode of the original Star Trek. Unfortunately, did not do the game show rounds at all, but is known for playing Dark Wolf on Fire and Ice, if you remember that from nineteen eighty three, a very uh, adult cartoon episode. 12. Sylvie. During an investigation, Mahoney discovers that a policewoman was murdered to cover up a scandal involving politicians, pornographers, and bankers. The officer in question is Officer Sylvie Swenson, played by Robin Douglas, who is known as Jamie Hamilton in the short-lived Galactica 1980. She was also Lieutenant Beaumont on Houston Nights. And and she is also going to be covered in a show that we're doing eh, next week, two weeks from now. Who knows? But yeah, Robin Douglas is an actress and model and a very, very attractive one at that. We do have another name in this episode. Pretty big one, yep. Play the role of Joe Kaufman. The late, great Dennis Farina. When did this episode air, Chico? This episode aired on January 8th. I want to say January. Yeah, January 18th, 1986. One day before my sixth birthday. Okay, so this would have been the same year of 
the first season of Crime Story later that fall. Right. right. Yeah, because Dennis Farina was on Crime Story on NBC. But of course, he would be on another Crime Story in NBC, Law and Order. Yes. Oh, and by the way, Crime Story is streaming on the Roku channel. Nice. So you can watch Dennis Farina to your heart's content on the Roku channel. And if you really, really want to make a stretch regarding crime shows, remember he hosted the revival of Unsolved Mysteries on Lifetime. Oh, yeah. I forgot about the inferior version. Yeah. But I do want to mention one more name. Just because I find this very funny. Since it talked about politicians and pornographers, playing a man in a hot tub, (laughs) I kid you not, his name is William Dick. I wonder if he was the pornographer part. <laughs> William Dick, the guy in the hot tub. Oh my God, what is... I don't even care about his resume. It's William friggin' Dick. What a dick. <laughs> what a dick indeed. Well, it's, oh. it's all about pornography, so you never know. Uh-huh. Oh, and one familiar face on this episode, playing a blonde porn star, is Marietta De Prima. And if you are a bit of a fan of the Hughleys or Dear John, or if you've seen Lady Bird, you've seen Marietta De Prima. She played Miss Patty in Lady Bird and Sally Rogers in the Hughleys. She's been busy, still busy. Episode 13, Maximum Force. Mahoney and Detective Janelli are kidnapped by a group seeking vengeance for an arrest. And it doesn't look like there are any big names on this episode, I'm afraid. So So we go to the last episode, Willow's Cowboy. While searching for Terry McNichols' missing niece, Mahoney becomes involved with a group of cowboys trying to steal a sip. I'm going to have to do this again because I can't do this with a straight face. While searching for Terry McNichols' missing niece, Katie Mahoney becomes involved with a group of cowboys trying to steal a shipment of bull semen. That's what it says. What? what Bull semen. What? Look at Greg's eyes bugging out. Oh my gosh. What a bunch of crap that is, Greg. Johnny, I, I told you I, to stay in your corner, Johnny. Johnny, just stay there. I don't want you to talk about bull semen, okay? Does I can tell you what the price is of that bull semen? No, 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 no. Johnny, Johnny, I don't want any details about the bull semen, okay? This showcase begins with a five-gallon vat of bull semen. <laughs> It oh. could be yours if the price is right. <laughs> oh, okay. Now, talk uh, about a sticky situation. Okay, never mind. That was the stupidest Good segment. We, that was the stupidest segment we've ever done in the history of this podcast. I'm sorry. No, I don't think it's anywhere near the stupidest. This is the stupidest. <laughs> okay, one of the uh, cowboys is played by Brooks Gartner who is in Raw Deal, and that was then, this is now. But if you're a fan of uh, Batman the Animated Series, he played Killer Croc. Wow, Killer Croc. What a a lesser-known character in the Batman rogues gallery. Okay, continue. And uh, Dennis Kelly, who's no longer with us, played another cowboy. And uh, he, of course, was in Boss with Kelsey Grammer and Chicago PD. So. The second reference to Boss. Two references to Boss. And what, it had four episodes. What are the odds? So yeah, that's it. That's the show. So what can we say except uh, what happened aside from duh. I mean, if you look at the uh, international releases, the posters, we have a picture of I'm guessing this is the pilot, which was released on video abroad, of a very rough-looking female holding a machine gun. 
anybody who's seen the pilot knows that um, none of this actually happens. No. Yes, it's violent. It's not that violent. But it was pretty violent. In fact, it attracted the uh, attention of the National Coalition on Television Violence when they called it the most violent show on television. I bet you now in 2022, it's probably not even in like the 10 most violent shows. I don't even think it's probably in the 50 most violent shows on TV. I've seen more violent things on cable. So yeah, I mean, this was, yes, it was canceled due to the complaints about excessive violence. But if you looked at the show itself, I mean... The production value, the the insurance has got to be through the roof. I mean, things get exploded, heavy stunts. I want to say Jamie Rose insists on doing all of her own stunt work. and Or if she didn't, if I heard that she did, I would not be surprised. We made mention of this earlier. The show started out on Thursday nights at 9 o'clock. Mike... What was on at 9 o'clock on Thursdays in 1985? We'll do CBS first. Okay, let's do CBS first. Uh, When the show premiered, it was on against Magnum P.I., a uh, a part two of a two-parter. I got Simon and Simon. Well, this is uh, September 26th, the first regular episode. Well, either way, it either went up against Magnum P.I. or Simon and Simon, two long-running series on CBS in the 80s. So it doesn't make a difference which one it went up against. It was still going up against a good show. But the show opposite it at 9 o'clock on NBC. Well, yeah. the two shows. The two shows. The, the two, two, shows. two shows. Yeah. Maybe you've heard of them. Here's a night court. Yep. Ooh. And also, yep. Yeah. That'll do it. That'll do it. But wait till it moved. Yeah, because it did move to, I want to say it moved to 10 o'clock. And by that time, by the time it moved to 10 o'clock, it would be on opposite Knott's Landing and Hill Street Blues. Oh, I wasn't even talking about that because it moved to Saturday nights. Saturday nights at 9 o'clock. It looks like CBS aired a movie at that point. But on NBC, on Saturday nights in 1985. Hold on. Let me take a guess. Is it the Golden Girls? That's half. Okay. I know, I know the other half. What's the other half? 227. Mm-hmm. I'm, I mean, no place, child. Yeah. So you're talking about the first season of both those series. Yep. Oh, yeah. Not good. No, NG, no good. I bet you Sherman Helmsley wouldn't be taking Mahoney to the boom boom room. That's not for another two years, my friend. <laughs> two years? That's more like another like seven or eight years. That episode of Family Matters. Oh, I was thinking of Amen. My mistake. Yeah, I was going to say, did, did they go to the... The boom boom room, and he said, Amen. Hallelujah. <laughs> oh, wait, you're talking about Amen. I'm sorry. Yeah, well, I was we talking about two in reference. I didn't even realize Amen wasn't in the block yet. I'm sorry. Not yet. Not but yet. it will be. It will give, be. Give it another year. Yeah. And it moves on Saturdays. And it's not even the lowest rated show on Saturdays. That's a subject for another episode. But opposite a movie and the one-two punch of the Golden Girls in 227, Lady Blue did not have a hope. And in the end, Lady Blue, it just became a thing on TV. Yep, I'll tell you right now, the last time it was ever on air was in reruns on Lifetime. It was never released on home video, and even though it was controlled by MGM, which is owned by Amazon, it was never released streaming either. 
You would think they would be on Prime Video at least, but no. All of the episodes and the pilot movie are available unofficially on YouTube. And also, Warner Brothers has the rights to distribute the MGM video catalog. So you'd think that Warner Archive would release a complete series set, but no. I'm still thinking about it being on Lifetime. That doesn't necessarily sound like a good match to me, at least not Lifetime back in the late 80s. It doesn't seem like something Lifetime would air unless they saw some sort of empowerment of females with big guns. They probably put it with reruns of like work with Margaret Colin. Yeah, interesting you mentioned that because at a bit of a contrarian view, Carrie O'Dell explained in June Cleaver was a feminist, reconsidering the female characters of early television, that Lady Blue was an interesting experiment in imagining the hardcore cop genre with a female lead. Criticism of Mahoney in the series Ultimate Cancellation were the results of sexism. Was such rebellion, contempt for authority, and brutal tactics considered too unfeminine? Maybe Lady Blue was ahead of its time because we contracted Mahoney's negative perception with a positive reaction to titular protagonists in the 1991 film Thelma and Louise, who developed a legacy as, and now I'm quoting, newfangled feminist icons. And then my mind goes to Jennifer Lopez's character in Money Train, who roughs people up more than Katie Mahoney ever did. Money Train, not to be confused with Money Plane, as we mentioned earlier with Kelsey Grammer and Adam Edge Copeland. By the way, Archives, live show. We did that last year. It's great. Tense dramatic music. But aside from that, Mahoney could very well, in the future that we create here and now, be looked at as one of television's most dynamic female protagonists. Too bad they only gave her 14 episodes. But hey, some cop dramas didn't even get that much in 1985, so you be the judge. We talked about more stories like this on our website. It was a thing on TV.com. And of course, you can follow us on all social media at It Was a Thing on TV. Or if you're on Facebook because Kitty Mahoney hasn't roughed up Mark Zuckerberg yet. You can follow us there at It Was a Thing on TV Podcast. And if you follow us on YouTube, do not forget to like our videos, subscribe, hit the notification bell. So you can stay up to date on all of our future entries, including, oh, guys, 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 guys. I don't know what to say about this next entry. All I have to say is earlier we did a show called The High Court with Doug Benson. And earlier we did Judge Wapner's Animal Court. So court shows, not a stranger to this podcast. This one may have been the strangest of all of them. Is this even more strange than Personal Injury Court? No. There's no Big D, though. Oh, Big D. I miss him. Wait, hold on, wait. You miss him? I miss Big D. You do know Personal Injury Court airs on, I think, Bounce. And I think actually also on Bounce's uh, Pluto TV channel. So you can watch it. It's out there. Oh, good. I can watch Big D to my heart's content. Because we all love the Big D. Everybody loves the big D. Yeah, that was something I stumbled across uh, about a week ago or, or so. It's like, oh my gosh, I can watch Personal Injury Court and, and get that legal sauce. Well, let's go into the legal sauce. Well, one thing that Personal Injury Court did not have was a stuffed dog. That will make sense next time, right here 
on it for something on TV. Thank you for listening. Please be kind to each other, and we will see you for the next one. Wow! Tomorrow, Mark's dad is back. Everybody can't have Babe Ruth for a father. But the mob knows best. Now it's time to pay up. Hardcastle and McCormick. Then, her lover was murdered. I want to know who did it. Her partner was framed. He was trying to pop a South American cocaine connection. Now, she's on the streets and out for revenge. They call her Lady Blue. All starting at 8, 7 Central tomorrow. You gotta love Ernie saying, they call her Lady Blue. Oh, and by the way, did you notice Alex Rocco's in that Hardcastle McCormick ad? Yep. And of course, don't forget, Alex Rocco played B. Arthur playing Peter Griffin. Right. You'll never make it, Joe. Why don't you just give up?